All right, welcome back. We're here today with former Los Angeles Laker Devin George. Devin played with the Lakers from the 99-2000 season until the 2005-2006 season and was a part of the three-peat of 2000-2002. Uh, Devin, how are you doing today? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Um, like uh, I was great. telling you, yeah, thanks. Um, like I was telling you while we were setting this up, uh, this is just a podcast for Lakers fans to hear from former Lakers, kind of catch up with what they're doing now and talk about some parts of their career. Okay. One, of, one of the first questions I like to ask is, how did you get started with basketball and uh, what made you start playing and when did you realize you had a future in it? Well, um, I was a little different, but I started uh, at an early age, probably at age 10 or so. And it was just really started from just following my older brother to the basketball park. Um, just, you know, wanted to be, do everything he did, follow him doing what he's doing. And so it just started there. And I just kind of, the love kind of took over. And um, we were involved in a lot of sports, football, baseball, bowling. And like, it just got to a point where I just said, I wanted basketball to take over everything. And I don't want to do anything else but play basketball. After school, I just wanted to play basketball. I don't know why. It wasn't really like, I want to go to the NBA. I just love playing basketball. And so, um, one thing led to another. I was always short. Um, and so I was a point guard all the time and I never really had, um, I never really had height at an early age. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started is, is, is me getting started there. The, me playing in the NBA was kind of a lost dream and it didn't really pick back up until, uh, I would say, uh, probably sophomore year in college. Mm-hmm. I started thinking like, okay, probably I, this dream could probably happen. But prior to that, I mean, I had no D1 offers. I had no offer. I didn't get offered to go to any school. So, mm-hmm. you know, in junior year, senior year in high school, you kind of start reality sets in. And I'm like, well, probably the NBA is not going to work. So my thing of going to a small school was I still want to play basketball, but and I wanted to get an education. So I, I didn't go there saying, oh, I'm still going to the NBA. I, I had no no hopes of going to the NBA once I went to the school I went to. So it, it, it ended there. Yeah. So you went to uh, Division Three school, Augsburg in Minnesota. Yep. Most Laker fans will probably know you were the first player ever to be drafted in the first round from a Division Three school. So yep. you said you were getting kind of you, the feeling that you might make it to the NBA your sophomore year at Augsburg. So, I mean, what made you feel that way? I know you had great stats. You were like D3 player of the year a couple times, I believe. But um were you getting a lot of NBA interest, like from scouts at your games at a D3 school, or how could you really assess your skills given the competition level? Well, I was playing in the summertime. I was playing in the pro-am leagues against all of the D1 players. So what happens is, like in the pro-am leagues, a lot of the professional players and a lot of the D1 guys that are either on summer break or whatever, they would play in the, in the league. And I would play against them and, and do fairly well. And then at that time, I wanted to try to transfer. And I said, you know, I need to transfer. I can play against these guys. And at the time, you know, obviously coaches can't tamper with other players. So mm-hmm. I would ask the coaches, you know, what it would be like to transfer to your school and not have to pay because I had student loans when I graduated. So I yeah. knew I was racking up twenty thousand plus dollars a year on student loans. So I was, you know, I wanted to transfer and. The coaches only could really say so much as uh, the guy that was trying to guard you, he's our best player. And so that kind of triggered me like, man, if that's their best player, I would play. I would start. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to transfer. 
And my dad convinced me not to. And, you know, he was just saying, stay where you're at. You're making enough noise. And, you know, my coach, he really wouldn't want, he didn't want me to transfer. And so I ended up staying and just one thing led to another. Word of mouth happened. I was in the paper. I was on the news every other day and just people started talking. It wasn't really like social media where someone could send a Snapchat or something of a guy at a small school and everyone can see it. Millions of people. It was, it just had to really be word of mouth. Someone said, have you heard a kid over here? There's a kid over here. There's, you know, and then one thing led to another. Um, the U players, they would come to our games. The, the, and that's when I kind of knew something was a little different. Like, why are these guys across the street? You know, they're D1 players. Why are they coming to our games? So they would mm-hmm. come to our games. And then I, so it, that's when it kind of started to, things start to change a little bit. And so um, scouts started coming in and then one thing led to another. Very cool. So uh, heading in the 99 NBA draft, did you feel like you were going to be a first round pick or is that like kind of the feedback you were getting after workouts and things? Um, yes. After workouts, because it was really good that I was able to, a lot of the high draft picks that I knew were projected high. Um, I got a chance to go head to head with them in the pre-draft camp and in the one-on-one workouts. And I did very well against them in the one-on-one workouts and like maybe even ruined some, some guys stock. There were some high draft picks that got a chance to go against that. They um, later on we played like Deion Glover and Jermaine Jones and a lot of those guys. I ended up playing. He's like, man, you know, we were friends as we all got drafted. But he's like, man, you messed my stock up, man. I was supposed to go higher, but we did this dude coming in here because I ended up playing with Jermaine Jones. He he played in, in L.A. for a year. Yeah, and yeah. He's like, man, I'm still mad at you. Yeah, he's like, I'm still mad at you because I, I mean, I really, he was supposed to go really high, but we, I think we went into Atlanta, and I just really had my way with him and then he kind of dropped way down and wow. so he's like man you owe me some money and so but it, it was all in fun we were teammates and so but we ended up uh he was a good dude he was a good guy yeah I've, I've tried reaching out to him just to get his take on his Lakers season in 2005 but then also you know you faced him in the 2001 finals so yeah he'd be he'd have some uh, good stories I would I would think uh-huh. yeah so then, like I said, 99 NBA draft, your first round choice of the Lakers. What was that first uh, Phil Jackson training camp like when you go from, you know, like you said, a small school in Minnesota to all of a sudden you're playing in Los Angeles, your head coach is Phil Jackson, and you have some superstar teammates? Well, I got lucky. I was able to get Phil Jackson a little early because, you know, once I got drafted, I had to get to L.A. So mm-hmm. I had really the first hands on Phil of introducing the triangle so we kind of had it a summer before everyone got there, um, mm-hmm. you know, in summer league prior to it. So it was good to kind of get some easy reads on him and, 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 and learn him early. But it was uh, it was a big jump for me and, and, and as well for anybody else that if they're, you know, it's a big jump coming from any school, whether mm-hmm. you come from, you know, Augsburg or from North Carolina, a big jump going to the NBA is, is huge. And you, it's, it's no way to kind of be prepared for it. It's, it doesn't matter. It's too hard. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's a big jump. And it's really a big jump from a, um, from the school I went to, to like one of the most historic franchises with the two of the best players in their prime. I mean, it was a, it was a show like everywhere we went, people everywhere. And it was just kind of, it took some getting used to, um, at the beginning, but. Uh, I just got in there and I just shut my mouth and put my head down, came to the gym early and didn't say much at all. 
Yeah. That was that was what I did as I was trying to figure things out. And I've asked questions. I pulled guys aside, asked them, how do you do this? How do you do that? And took their advice. They, some things they told me to do. I did it. And, you know, that was that was how I rolled as a rookie. So uh, those veterans who you're asking for, was that like Ron Harper, AC Green? Who who are you talking to? Yeah. Uh, Ron Harper, Robert Ory, um, Shaq sat me down, uh, B, uh, Brian Shaw, mm-hmm. John Sally, Rick yep. Fox. Um, mm-hmm. All of those guys have been really big on kind of um, in helping me out. Kobe mm-hmm. quietly in the background. You yeah. know, at that time, he was super, super quiet. He didn't say much, but he kind of, when no one was looking, he would kind of say something, hey, do this, just do it, shut your mouth. I know they're giving you a hard time. Just suck it up, do it, you know. And for me, uh, I thought it would just be a one-year duty, but obviously if you win the championship and trade your picks, you don't get a pick and you only have a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. The odds of a second-round pick making the team are slim and none. So if you're the youngest man on the total pole this year and you don't get another rookie to come in, then you do the same thing over and over. I had to do it three years in a row. Yeah. And when we did get Mad Dog the next year, Mad Dog was not really the type that they could haze. You know, Mad Dog was a good guy. He yeah, was always seemed happy. at nine o'clock. Yeah, he was, you know, he, <laughs> Mad Dog. So he kind of got skipped over. I'm like, make him do it. And so yeah. <laughs> that was that was my my rookie year that lasted three years. Oh, yeah. Well, just going through, you know, that three-peat run, I mean, you were seeing a little bit of playing time your first couple of years. That third year, you know, really took off. You were playing 20, 25, 30, 35 minutes every night, it seemed like. You endeared yourself mm-hmm. to Lake fans with a lot of hustle plays, you know, big three-pointers, dunks in traffic, kind of become a fan favorite, so to speak. So that uh, third title run, I like vividly remember game four of 2002 finals versus the Nets. You were just in the corner knocking down threes the whole game. And in the, when y'all were mm-hmm. celebrating that, I, and I, I have like all those championship DVDs I like to watch from time to time. It seemed like nobody was happier for you after that series than Kobe, at least like, you know, in court from what I see in that video. So was yeah. that, was, did y'all have a great working relationship? I read that player's tribune article you wrote about his 81 point game as well. So can you go into your relationship with Kobe at all? No, it was uh, very, it was exactly that. You know, he was always, one of my biggest fans, you know what I mean? He just, whether it was with, when he was with Adidas, was with Nike, or even in the front office with the Lakers, he was always, you know, helping me out or pushing for me or, or, or vouching for me to get playing time, to be on the team, you know, so he was always really big. And, and I have not even, I haven't noticed that. I haven't seen that tape, mm-hmm. but the, uh, I, I, it sounds right on point. For, for him to be that happy for me. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think I was the leading scorer in the fourth quarter. Um, I was, as a matter of fact, for the closeout mm-hmm. game. Yep. And so, but yeah, he, uh, he he's always been, because you know, he, he's always liked my game, obviously, because I was always a, a scrapper. You know yeah. what I mean? Not really, you know, a, a guy that was just, that whined and I didn't get enough shots or whatever. I just, I did my job. I knew what my role was. You know, my role really was to do those things you said, is to 
get extra shots, play defense, knock a shot down, be athletic. That was my that was my job, you know. And sometimes, you know, people don't want like their roles, but I embrace mine and try to do it to the best of my abilities. And coach said, "I'm gonna play you if you do these things." You know, mm-hmm. why would I go out and try to do something else that he doesn't want me to do? And he did it. And he said, "If you do those things, I'm you're gonna play." So mm-hmm. I like playing, so I'm gonna do those things. So it's it's simple to me. Talking about that Players Tribune article a little bit, was that? 81 point game the most uh lack of a better word memorable game you have from your experience with kobe or is there some other ones that most people probably don't think about but that you remember particularly for one reason or another i mean that was that was impressive and i would i would say what stands out of my mind the most about kobe it's not really that game it's just the overall package the mm-hmm. overall ability to change your game overnight. The overall ability to understand how people are playing you. And we would laugh at it because he's like a step ahead of people. He would be knowing, okay, next game, this guy and this team is going to try to guard me this way. So my open shots are going to be here. So he would practice 20 minutes after practice. Hey, stay after practice. I want to work on you. He'd work on this shot or that shot. And he's able to put it in the game tomorrow as if he's been working on it all summer, which most people have to work on it all the summer. They want to work on it in practice. Then I want to work on it in shoot around. And then I might bring it to the game time at 730. He'll work on something for 20 minutes and he'll bring it to the game. No one can do that. And then the next game and then the next month, oh, they're starting to play me this way. I need to put this in my game. And he just adds new things in his game overnight. And that's the part that people don't understand, that no one can do that. And he's Mm -hmm. like, well, I just need to start practicing flip left-hand shots because they're going to start playing me from this angle. He'll start working on flip-hand shots. And then he's got it in his game. And no (laughs) one can do that. So it's not one specific game. You know, you try to stop him on this way, he's just going to counter, and he's going to start doing this. And then you try to stop that, he's going to counter, he's going to do something else. And it's overnight. It's it's the craziest thing you ever see. It's the craziest thing. It's crazy. So that is that is my Kobe thing. It's not necessarily one game. He's had phenomenal games. Yeah. But it, it's just that ability to me. Cool. So like we were talking about that 2006 season a little bit. Uh, that was your last year in L.A. And was there an opportunity for you to return? Or you just decided to go to Dallas for a – you know, just a fresh start, or how did that work out? No, I think they had moved on. You know what I mean? Really? I think they had moved on. They wanted a new direction. I think um, at the time, I, and I knew my time was uh, was up as soon as they signed uh, Radmanovich. They signed him, like, at 12.01. And I thought, oh, oh yeah. yeah, they're going to move on. They're going to move on. And so, we're, you know, same position. Um, so uh, I was like, well, I guess it's time to move on. But, you know, I ended up going to – to Dallas, to another great organization, playing for Cuban, which was great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful facility, great environment, wants to win, good culture. So, moved on. So, this is just kind of like a for fun question. I wanted to see if you could do this. Like, I, I talked to Joe Smith the other day, and, um, you know, he played with 12 teams. His last stop was with the Lakers, and I wanted to see if he could name all 12 teams he played for in a particular order. In the, in the correct order, and he almost did it. So I was trying to come up with a question for you. Can you name the, 
let me think it was 15. The 15 guys who at least played in one regular season game with the Lakers your rookie year? Uh, probably. Oh, that played in the played. Can I name the 15 guys my rookie year? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 all the players on the team? Yep. Uh, probably. I would have to say myself, T. Lou, Ty, Tyron Lou, John Celestine, John Sally, Shaq, Kobe, um, AC Green, Robert Ory, Glenn Rice, Travis Knight. Yep. Sam Sam Jacobson. Uh, yep. Um, how many is that? Um, I think Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw. And two more. Uh, Ron Harper. Yep. And uh, um, was it Benoit Benjamin? No, Rick Fox. Rick Fox. Easy. Yeah. Uh, that was easy. Foxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I was uh, I was thinking you wouldn't get Jacobson because I think you only played in a handful of games. So I guess another Minnesota guy you were gonna get. Yep. Nope. He was there. He was there with me. That's crazy. I didn't even think that's a good question though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Let's test my memory. Yeah. yeah right. so. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, Devin. I really appreciate this. It was a lot of fun getting to hear about your Lakers career. And um, I know you got a big real estate thing going in Minnesota, so I hope that goes well for you. And uh, best of luck Appreciate with that. It. All right, thanks, man.